I promise when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah. Easy. He jumped that side of me. How about a oot oot? He gets away from the pressure. Fires to the end zone. It's hot! It's Greg Lewis! Touchdown! It is sun oh, Saturday, not Sunday, Saturday, December 17th, and the Minnesota Vikings have completed the greatest comeback in NFL history. Joining me tonight, we have two guests, Ryan Lundin, as always, is here, but also Kirsten, my wife, is here because A, it's our anniversary, and B, we went to the game together. And to start off, Kirsten, is there anything you'd like to say to Ryan before we begin? I have a handful of things to say. <laughs> First of all, Ryan... Thank you for the tickets. Initially, I was like, gosh, I'm doing this guy a favor, going to this terrible game for him. And then I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Ryan is probably actually really mad that he's not here. Number two, thank you, Josiah, for having me back on the podcast. Happy to be back, you know, within a handful of weeks instead of practically a year, like the previous one. Um, I very seriously, Ryan, I thought I was going to a playoff game today. I was so excited. I thought I was like talking to Josiah last night about like my progression of games that I've attended, how the first one at US Bank Stadium was a preseason game. And I was like, and then the second one, it was a normal season game. And then tomorrow it's like, it's playoffs, like how exciting. And Josiah just kind of looks at me like, you do know that it's not the playoffs. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, I did. not He's like, do you really believe that Ryan would just give up playoff tickets? I was like, well, also, no, I was su- like super surprised that he would have like forgotten this game. And yeah, it was the anyways, fantasy playoffs. That was the confusion. It was the fantasy play. Well, two, not only the fantasy playoffs, it was that plus because I knew that you last week were in the finals of your regular season fantasy. So like, well, this week is the playoffs. Number two, I was like, well, why on earth would they decide rather last minute that this is a Saturday game and not yep. a Sunday game? That's true. Unless it was the playoffs. So just I assumed that this was playoffs and that Ryan wasn't going. And gosh, how lucky am I? Ryan, That's fair on the Saturday. How was bit. your I'll day? Give you that. How was your day? How was your experience today for four I plus a, hours? I had a great day. It was pretty <laughs> wild. Um, didn't attend the game for a multitude of reasons. The anniversary being one. Two, we had one of our family Christmases today. And I thought, you know, everything's pointing to I don't need to go to the Vikings Colts game. Um, Originally, when we were talking about who was going to this game, it was maybe looking like Deandra and I, and that gave me flashbacks of the one game that I did attend with my wife that was Vikings-Colts in 2016. Um, and for reference, the Vikings were down 27-0 to at half of that game and lost 34-6. to So <laughs> as of halftime today, I thought this is Even just better. proof that we cannot – go to the games with our wives um but especially not very... on Dury's anniversary <laughs> yeah. Was that that, yeah it was the day after and i was like oh that's man. true yeah 
this is this is insane but um obviously they redeemed themselves so i have no idea what to think from here on out so i want to start with the we'll get into maybe more of the you know nitty-gritty x's and o's type stuff at some point but i want to start with just the experience being at the game um shout out first of all to the fans because not that many people left honestly i i don't know oh Ryan. some people left for sure but guess who left oh the old lady oh my gosh that little old lady the gal who sat next to you, I asked Josiah, I was like, you know, which I didn't know if he was sitting in his seat or like if I was sitting in his seat or whatever. I was like, Josiah, who normally sits where I am? And I said, well, it's Ryan. And that lady is so funny. The whole time she was just saying things like, well, you know, Kirk's just going to fumble it this time. And then, and then he does fumble it. And she's like, well, at least I'm not home on my couch. And then she leaves. I don't know when it was. All of a sudden she wasn't there. It was like halftime, maybe third quarter, but it was around halftime or third quarter. And then we're winning and she's gone. I was like, oh, bless the heart of this old woman. She's like missing out on what she would have absolutely enjoyed. Yeah. She was there for the miracle though. So I'll give her that. But other than that, not the miracle. She, she left there. early for that too. No, she was there. We I remember nope. hugging her. Nope. She left early. <laughs> Different Someone ones. else. Different ones. <laughs> How many women do you hug, Josiah? Um, as I was saying, I do feel like a good majority of the fans were still there for the comeback, which we were ready to leave. Shout out to the mascots and the kids at halftime, because that was what was keeping us around, honestly, until halftime. And then I said, you know, let's give the third quarter, let's give the first drive a shot, three and out. But it happened so fast that we didn't have time to leave. And then the Vikings got the ball back, eventually scored. And then it was on from there. So, um, Ryan, watching on TV, was there a moment when you, first of all, stopped believing in the first place and then started believing again? Stopped believing um, pretty much right at halftime. Um, Like 23, the the three scores I could really get behind. When it was 23-0, I was like, you know, we can make this work. As it got to 33-0 at half, I was I was out. Um, and for me to get back in, it did not happen until after Delvin scored. <laughs> oh my! I was I refused to get to get myself into that mental space of believing in the Vikings, um, because it's largest comeback in NFL history, yeah. regular season or postseason. So why would I ever believe? So that's where I was. I started. So the other behind the scenes part was my brother Matthias and his wife were at the game and they, for reference, were the ones who were at the Cowboys game and then came to this game. So they were talk about point differential. They were like negative 60 something at halftime. Then they came over and sat by us and were there with us for the second half. So we were talking, you know, doing the math and stuff. Um, when the Vikings scored again in the third quarter to get it to three scores and it's still the third quarter, that's when we started, you know, doing the doing the math and kind of believing. And then they were able to the thing about the game was it just took so long and there were so many possessions that it felt like there was, there was always time on the clock, which was what was frustrating in the first half. But the you mentioned the Dalvin play. That was definitely the most, you know, electric moment in the in the building. You You get the fourth and one stop and then you get the Dalvin Cook screen. Um, all the way to the house and then the two-point conversion. And, I mean, that was that and some of the defensive stuff and then all the way till the end of the game was about as electric as and loud as U.S. Bank Stadium has been in my experience. Like I said, not that many people left. Maybe like 10% of people left, but other than that, it was pretty full. 
Um, and people were people were hyped for good reason for that comeback. And it was also it just took so long. We were so tired. <laughs> we were standing for like 90 minutes straight. Like from once they got down, basically through the whole fourth quarter and overtime, everyone was standing. Um it took so long. <laughs> it was the longest game ever. It took three and a half hours in regulation and plus overtime. But Kirsten, while you're still here, what was your just experience? Yeah, you've never been to a game like that. I know that for sure. We went to an exciting Lions game a few years ago, but that was not the stakes of this one for sure. Um, but as they started to started to come back, as it shifted from, you know, a a gag gift from Ryan to a, you know, a real experience that we got to have. Just what was your, I guess, what will you remember about this, about this game? Yeah, it was, I think now, truthfully, I don't remember my Vikings games, you know, game to game. So I think it was the only time that they've won when I've gone. Right. Except for that preseason with right. at the TCF, the TCF game. They won. Yeah. They but... won. Other than that, it was the first time it won. So that was exciting. But fat, uh, rewinding, I guess, to must have been around halftime. It might have been that first. The Dalvin cook play where they were starting to kind of gain momentum when my cousin or i don't really see i don't pay attention that closely what i'm trying to refer to specific i'm not going to no just (laughs) when they started to gain momentum my cousin who is a diehard vikings fan she grew up in tennessee but she is a diehard vikings fan texts me she goes is josiah losing his mind right now i was like i mean truthfully i guess like not really like I'm at the game with him and I could just read a text to you but I won't but I pretty much said like you know I'm at the game with him right now and it's super boring and blah blah blah. and she was like oh I saw his Instagram um feed or reel whatever he did and I knew he was at the game I didn't realize you were I was like I just went on a rant I was like honestly I do not care if I ever go to a game again I would much prefer to watch on tv truthfully I hate this like never going again and then within it was probably well, again that game went so long it was probably close to an hour later I was like I am so happy I'm here what a game <laughs> like such a great time and um no it was true it was something I will remember for a very long time I was very excited and very happy at the end and it's actually like thrilling I because I definitely always prefer to watch on TV I want to be able to get up whenever I need to do other things I very half hardly watch most games like I you know, watch the game, but I'm always doing something else. If I'm either watching Carter, doing laundry, like doing like 5,000 other things and not really actually watching the game. But then when it actually gets like, when they start winning, especially today was a little different because I was, I feel extra exciting, but when they do start winning, oh my gosh, the atmosphere, it's addicting. (laughs) It is like very energizing and exciting. And I was like, actually cheering and like, very into the game. The progression of the of the Skull Vikings renditions from the five touchdowns and then obviously the field goal at the end from it's like the evolution of man. It was like the first touchdown. I don't think I even got out of my chair. I was, you know, I was still singing and clapping along, but not into it at all. Slowly standing up more and then eventually jumping and, and you know, yelling and screaming and everything else with every every progressing score. So it was. Yeah, I mean. When did you let yourself? There was part of the time where I was getting so mad. There was this kid right in front of us who he was with his buddies, but he was the only Colts fan. And so he was just like cheering the the whole time. And then two rows ahead of us, this couple was cheering the whole time. And then finally we start winning. And this kid, I don't know where he went, but he just disappeared. Just disappeared. (laughs) Totally disappeared. (laughs) 
Her <laughs> doctor's like friend's hour. like, Where did where'd your friend go? He's like, Yeah, I went to the bathroom. It's been like, you know, an hour and a half since he's been gone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. That was a that was a fun game. Last thing I know that you want to comment on and or anything else that you want to say, but were you more mad about the Vikings getting down by 30 or about the paper airplanes? Okay. So I don't belong on a podcast where this is my answer, but I was more mad about the paper airplanes. Oh, it was annoying. It was for from like mid second quarter through most of the third quarter. I don't remember which punt it was, but eventually one got on the screen, but it was just paper airplane city. And if anyone's ever been there when that's happening, it's, you know, it's cool. It's exciting when one gets on the field, but 99% of those, if not 99.9% of those are not getting out of the section and they're pelting you in the back of the neck you know, a couple of rows. Well, really I'm not kidding you. Between <laughs> you and I, there was, I didn't count, but I honestly think there was probably like five to 10 that hit either Josiah yeah, or I, that's how many that there were. And finally, like within the second one, I was like, Josiah, you grab that thing and you turn around and you rip it up in front of that person's <laughs> face. And he wouldn't do that. But like, oh my gosh, how annoying. Like, do you honestly believe you are all some, like, no one else is making the field. You honestly think that you're going to? <laughs> How annoying. It's annoying, but that says what the state of the of the stadium was at that point. So all the more incredible <laughs> that they were able to come back. So Ryan, anything, any comments, any questions you have for Kirsten before she gracefully exits the podcast? No, the the only comment I'll I have is um as the Viking after the Vikings um completed the two point conversion, you know, tied the game and I was like, there's still two minutes left. Like yeah. we may actually get the ball back here. Um, two things. First, mentioned laundry. At halftime, I started folding laundry and watching the game. So that yep. may have been the ticket for for the Vikings. The second thing is, go. after they scored the two point conversion, I let myself sit back down into the couch and I said, "Man, I sure hope Kirsten has not finished Christmas shopping for me because it's going to be a lot better if it's after this game." <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have to think about something for that that's for sure <laughs> oh, that's funny, but... so any other thoughts after this um i guess not our most memorable anniversary but maybe a second <laughs> watch your words there <laughs> no i i think that i went from very deeply never feeling like i will ever literally ever care to go to a game again to like you know i would do that again it's it is when it's at its bet yeah being at a football game because they're so long when it's it feels like the result is already determined in the second quarter is awful but when it something like this happens or you know when it's at its best it's it's quite an experience that's for sure so um here's what i'll say i'm married to a saint because i've taken her to one game and it was four full quarters yeah. of your guys <laughs> there was first no half, comeback. and she still allows me to purchase season tickets so shout out d so yeah final comments no thanks for having me thank you ryan for the tickets <laughs> um i'll maybe be back sometime yeah have fun yeah, yeah. it's cool absolutely it's cool take your phone all right so the greatest comeback in nfl history 33 points um I mean, at some point, we should probably talk about what, what went wrong um, in the first half, but... Here's my... When did you let yourself believe? So, you know, like I said, I started doing the math when they were within three scores. I was like, three scores in a quarter is doable, you know, with the fourth quarter. 
Um, but once they got down by two scores, then was still, I should pull up the exact summary, but a, a lot of time left in the, in the fourth quarter. That's when I felt like they actually had a really good chance to do it. The looming two point conversion was, I was worried about at all times. I kept every time they scored, I told Matthias, we should go for two so that we know <laughs> and they didn't do it and they didn't do it. And it ended up being the right move. I guess it worked, but um, within two scores, like with the way that the defense was playing and the way that they're moving the ball and knowing that at that point, the clock wasn't really becoming a factor. The other crazy thing was the Colts just kept like throwing the ball and there were a number of incompletions that saved the Vikings 40 seconds. Every time it would happen, we'd comment on it and be like, thank you for that because probably four minutes of or more of, of clock time was, you know, gifted to the Vikings um, because of that. So I felt like they had a real chance once they got within two scores um, early in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I I just really couldn't let myself believe, but I I really thought <laughs> like this is what the Vikings team does to you, and and I just I don't know. I think it was good that I wasn't at the stadium today because I would have been a Debbie Downer until the last possible second. Yeah, yeah. The what do you think is the like when this obviously the biggest game, biggest comeback in NFL history. Is there one kind of player or thing that you can point to as to why, you know, the Vikings were able to pull this off? It felt like one of those things where, I mean, obviously when you're down by that much, there's no room for error, but across the board from, you know, from the defense to multiple players on offense, everything else, um, it had to be pretty much perfect. And it, and it was for the second half Kirk, obviously pretty insane numbers, second half, Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne were the biggest stars Dalvin as well. But I don't know when we remember this game, is there a a play you point to or a moment or, you know, a player that got it done? Or is it just really the Kevin O'Connell and his culture and his 53 guys all, you know, never given up? Um, I think the easy one to point to is probably KJ Osborne. I feel like he, he was probably one of the biggest, bright spots in the the first half that that lacked a lot of bright spots um and he just seemed like he was really engaged obviously you know 10 receptions 157 yards like (laughs) that those are justin jefferson type type numbers but the player i will point to is really coming on strong uh for me here it is duke shelley (laughs) dude showed up in the second half um, I don't know how much it felt like it on, on the field um, or in the stadium, but he made a lot of uh, probably two or three pass breakups um, to to work help get the Vikings the ball back, um, and then also probably two really good stops right at the the first down marker, um, and just the way the the game was set up, like the Colts really couldn't go for it, like it, it really didn't make sense for them to go for it on a fourth and one in. Um, in their own territory. So those are the things that I think uh, Duke Shelley, I I didn't get to see Kevin O'Connell's post-game locker room speech. I'm guessing everybody got a game ball, but I think Duke (laughs) Shelley should be pointed out as one that, that he really stepped up um, and coming from the practice squad and to have that type of impact is, is pretty amazing. Well, the, the, you mentioned the breakups, but the tackle that he had on a third, on a third and, you know, eight or so or whatever to, to hold them short was 
one of the plays of the game to keep them in it, you know, get the ball back, everything else. And I don't know exactly what's going on with Cam Dantzler and like why that all, if it's just a straight benching or what happened, but Duke Shelley, um, hand up. I said on this podcast, I didn't want to see much more of him, but very impressive today. I definitely wrote that down too, just as a, as a bright spot. And let me go through the, the five, you know, Kirk Cousins said, or Patrick Peterson said at halftime, I guess we need five touchdowns, you know, to, to win this game. And if they did, they, you know, they got the five touchdowns in the second half. The first one was KJ Osborne. I think that you're right to point out him because he had a long, long catch, 63 yards um, catch and run on that play on that drive and then finished it with the touchdown. That was the second possession of the second half. Um, and then they give up a field goal. So that's where it's like, you know, I don't think we can get the stops needed to um, get back in this game, but then they come back and score on the next drive, which was the um, CJ. Yeah. CJ ham run. Um, and then, then they start getting stops, right. And they get the ball back quickly. So it's a, it's a one minute possession for the Colts after that, at the end of the quarter. And then it's a, um, a drive for the Vikings entering the fourth quarter down three scores plus a two point, uh, which is the Justin Jefferson touchdown, which <laughs> one of those great, you know, red zone routes um, on Gilmore, who, you know, a guy that definitely felt like from the first snap, you could tell it's like, he's going to be physical with JJ. Like there was a tackle out of bounds and stuff. And it's like, that's his, you know, he's probably, he's been a great corner, probably a little bit past his prime, but, as we saw what JJ did to him today. And especially on that play, it was like had to resort to some um, honestly, some cheap stuff and also just trying to be physical and everything else. But JJ had his way on that. And that was a, that's as good as I like it can get on a, you know, eight yard touchdown. Yeah. The, <laughs> they really didn't show a great angle of it in the, the TV broadcast, but seeing it back on Twitter, it, <laughs> he comes to the top of the route and just kind of turns around and it looks like he just, you know, fake the between the legs dribble something mm-hmm. like that and is gone um and Gilmore's headed 180 degrees in the opposite direction so that um my favorite part of that play is JJ makes the catch knows he scored the touchdown <laughs> and just makes out, eye contact at Gilmore <laughs> the entire time into the end zone like you just got toasted and I want you to know it so that's the confidence I love from JJ and he has definitely earned earned it yeah yeah, so then another short possession for the Colts. They punt after uh, two and a half minutes of possession, four plays. Then the Vikings um, are putting together a drive, and this is where, this is the part of po- the podcast where I must address the Jalen Rager issue um, today. I was, out of 65,000 people in U.S. Bank Stadium, I I would bet that there were only two that were wearing a number five jersey with Rager on the back, and it was me and Jalen Rager himself. Um it's tough out here for the regheads today. Um, two targets, two interceptions, both miscommunications. The first one, I feel like it happens. I see, feel like we've seen that, you know, whether you're settling in the zone or moving or whatever, it's probably more on reg or two, but something that happens. This second one, I have no defense for it. Um, he literally stopped running across the field on a play that it looked like was going to him the entire time as far as a deep developing route across the um, across the field and he stopped and it gets intercepted what worked out well was that the vikings you know pinned him at the two-yard line where you look at the ball back but as i'm addressing Rager, i have to say he had a great punt return that was called back on a very questionable call and i still think he's got the juice and i still think that he 
has something to contribute to this team, both offensively and in the punt return game, but maybe it's not down the field. Maybe it's out of the backfield at this point. Yeah. The thing that just shocks me is like, if you're a player that's, that's competing for snaps, like you've looked at the snap breakdowns. He, he, he hasn't had five all year offensively. And he was in the game because of the cheap shot on JJ on the same yeah. drive, which Absolutely. I think should have been an ejection, but you know, that is what it is. So that's why he's even in the game. Yep. So he's in the game under not great circumstances, but you know, he's averaging two, three snaps per game. You can't quit on any of those. So that, that was just really, really tested me today. Um, <laughs> but the, the punt return, um, super questionable call. Speaking of the refs, I just want to ask you this. How was the vibe with the the two defensive touchdowns that were blown dead before they yes. should have been blown dead? Um, how did how was that vibe in the stadium? Yes, we are going to get to that right now because it's um, the next drive. The Vikings get the ball back after the short field. Adam Thielen touchdown. So now they're within one possession. Now we get to the second of what you mentioned, the overturned turnovers for touchdowns for Chandon Sullivan. So the first half, um, I think it was the second quarter, they strip Pittman, I believe it was, and return it for a touchdown. Forward progress was ruled, even though the man was moving forward at all times on the play and was being, you know, wrestled down by uh, multiple Vikings. So that's a bad just a bad call on what is forward progress. And maybe it's a player safety thing. I don't know, but that one, I feel like it's Here's a bad the thing call. on that one though. Yeah. Uh, Brian Asimo is coming in as you know, Chandon Sullivan is, is wrestling with, with Pittman there that he makes the hit on him. If it's player safety, the, the call's got to be made before that hit. Otherwise right. it did feel like the whistle was after the ball was out. Yeah. Uh, well, no I never heard the whistle. Even, but yeah. Yeah, there's there's no safety concern if you're gonna let the guy get the hit in regardless. Yes. So that 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 I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure the NFL will say nothing, but it seems like sometimes when they they drop calls, they do say, "Ah, we we got you there." Well, that one was that one was very bad, and the crazy thing is the second one was worse. So that's why I'm like almost like saying that one was not as bad, but it was at the time it was like as close to a robbery of a touchdown as you can get in the NFL on that one we didn't even get the fumble so the crazy thing about the first half one too was maybe I don't know if you saw anything on TV we never heard from the ref the whole play he didn't even address the mic he didn't say what happened uh, like so I'm trying to explain to Kirsten like what is forward progress I'm like it was a wrong call anyway but like I'm spending all this time like she's like why did they blow dead I'm like they I have no explanation but this is probably what happened and it's really dumb but the guy never even addressed the crowd like they this is probably the worst ref crew i've ever seen in a in an nfl game because they did not have control of the game at all like it's one thing to make bad calls but they did not know how to explain things they did not know how to you know address address the crowd address the tv audience any anything else so brings us to the second half and this play which was um about five minutes or about three minutes left 328 on the clock and it's a run this again this one was worse <laughs> because <laughs> i have it was such a fast play i don't know when the whistle would have come or why because he's running up the middle and the ball pops out and the vikings suddenly have it and are halfway to the end zone 
you know, I don't know when the, I didn't hear the whistle. It was so loud in there. Um, I didn't hear the whistle. I don't know why the whistle would have blown because he was clearly not down and the ball popped out. Like, I have no He's idea. He's still standing straight up when the ball comes out. Like, obviously, <laughs> moving podcast, forward, clearly. we don't have the visual, but like, he, the, per the, the box score here, it says the replay official reviewed that the runner was down by contact. I don't know how you ever make that play. And this is not disregarding the fact that the NFL has asked officials to err on the side of a turnover because that play gets automatically reviewed how 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 does this happen you know like I don't even know if that guy goes down the ball's out and I feel like the Vikings let him go it just I I, this one like you said is worse than the first one but is is just really unexplainable yeah and so I guess they, I mean, it's not an exaggeration to say the Vikings have had, we talk about their point differential and everything, but they've had three touchdowns robbed of them in the last two weeks by exactly this play is not being allowed to run, which if we say refs have a tough job and, you know, yada, yada, again, erring on the side of letting the play play out so that you have the chance to review something, which they didn't in the first one. I don't. I'm still not clear because, again, the ref didn't do a good job of explaining it and has, like, the softest voice I've ever heard of a ref. I couldn't hear a word he said. Um, We were trying to – this even more so. Um, So we got Matthias and Anna with us, too, and we're both trying to explain to to our wives, like, what is happening because the ref isn't explaining it. We're like – and we obviously don't have the benefit of TV commentary. We're like – I think this is what's happening, but I'm not sure why it's a fumble. You know, where where do you draw the line between a recovery, but the play can't continue, you know, everything else. The guy's getting booed so much that you can't even hear the announcement. And both offenses are on the field, so we don't know who's getting the ball. Eventually, the Vikings do get the clear recovery because they had to challenge because it was ruled down by contact, which, again, what are you... (laughs) looking at the play play was a second and a half long like and it was moving forward like there was no time when that would have possibly happened so thank goodness that the game ended up the way it did because this would have been an all-time robbery um had the vikings not been able to win this one but i've never seen anything like it honestly and poor chan and sullivan both times on the wrong end of that i don't blame him for the 15 yard penalty at all oh absolutely and he had, he had a tweet that I'm happy that we won and all, but I'm I'm gonna need an explanation because he personally was robbed of two touchdowns today. But the uh, TV commentating was doing exactly what you were doing in the stands. We had no no nothing from the ref, and it was just here's what it looks like happened. Can't challenge forward progress. Moving on, um, and and it was Nate Burleson in the on the TV today, and he, I usually like him, and he does a really good job, but the refs really set him up today <laughs> yeah yeah i was i watched the highlights back and stuff with him and i like him too he's he's very different than other announcers because he's like just saying things that are happening during the play like over the announcer he'll be like you know jefferson option route or like you know option or, route he yeah. said option route seven in plays the... <laughs> in a row today and i go okay generally in every nfl play at least one player has an option route we yeah. don't need it called out but that's his that's his Romo bit. It he's just yeah, he's not your traditional color guy. Like he's just saying it's I think it's valuable, like his insight and stuff, but it's just very different. Like 
hearing it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I like him too. They showed him at one point because he's a Vikings legend, of course. So um, the Vikings do not score after they get the ball back on that one. Turnover on downs. I don't know if he wanted a punt there or not. I was saying go for it, but um, they do turn it over on downs. And then we get the the four, the drive where the Colts can run the clock out. They get to fourth and one. QB sneak stopped, which I think was the right call if we're talking about forward progress again. Very close. And the refs, you know, going for the drama. They bring out the bring out the chains and the Vikings. Um, yeah, get the ball back and the plays challenge as well. But um interesting stuff for the Colts managing the game there. Like, do you do you kick a long field goal? Do you punt? Do you go for it? They end up going for it. The Vikings get the ball back. And then they are able to oh, this is the moment. Yeah, this is the Dallin moment. So yeah, most electric moment from the fourth down stop through this is, and then they through the whole replay. They're playing "Don't Stop Believing." Everyone's just as hype as you can get. First play, screen pass Dalvin to the house with Ezra Cleveland running step for step with him, uh, breaking tackles and everything else. <laughs> that was the thing with Nate Burleson. I saw in the highlight. He's like, he's gone at the twenty as there's a corner like tracking him, and like he has to break four more tackles. Um, but he, he did get in. Um, he 20- made it. When he gets to like the 40, I'll, the only thing in my mind is Josiah saying, you know, Delvin's lost a step. He yeah. doesn't have that breakaway speed. And I'm like, he's right. He's not going to get to the house. And then Deandra's on the other side of the room and he tries to cut it back. And she goes, why would he do that? Yeah. And he somehow gets in. But, um, <laughs> you know, if this is how the Vikings run their screen game, I am in. Well, the thing about that is because I texted you after that, I was like, wow, it was a screen because we've talked about that on this podcast, just the Vikings have had no successful screens. They did the couple that they had today. It's more the wide receiver bubble screen rather than the or the tunnel, whatever the technical term is, rather than the back coming out of the backfield trying to set up your blocking. Right. So I think that that, that's an adjustment they've made to go out wide instead of try to figure out the timing with your classic like out of the backfield screen. So that's something. Um, it may be an issue with the Colts' defense too, because we've seen those get blown up this season too. But the all-important two-point conversion, Kirk extends the play a little bit, hangs in there, finds TJ, um, and that was when the roof blew off um, U.S. Bank Stadium, and we went from there. So um, obviously ends up ends up in overtime from there. And the last thing I'll say, just in the play-by-play here, and then we can talk about whatever is when the Vikings do get the ball back again, the throw from Kirk to Thielen um, to get into field goal range, that like 21 yards just on a rope um, was was clutch, was exactly what they needed at that moment um, to not run out of time, not end in a tie. And um, then they get the, the delay game, everything else, which thank goodness a ref finally called that because that's so annoying when that happens. They would have easily been able to spike it and Greg Joseph wins it. And yeah, four plus hours later, um, everyone that was left in US Bank Stadium had witnessed history. Yeah, that was um I would I really was thinking we were we were headed headed to a tie the way And the funny thing is it didn't make much of a difference for anything in the standings, whether the Vikings won or tied, but it was the you know, winning the north, everything else, but it was the comeback, you know, honestly, for me, like it was setting that record. See, the thing is, I was looking at it as like, well, we got history either way. Either the Vikings <laughs> complete the biggest comeback ever or the Colts are the first team to tie <laughs> two games in a season. So 
you know, win-win when the Vikings get the ball back. Um, the thing that really threw me on the TV broadcast, and keep in mind I'm watching in the car on my phone at this point, <laughs> not driving, um, I didn't realize that Minnesota was charged their timeout yes. for the Derrissaw injury or or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. So the entire time, you know, we make the <laughs> completion to Jefferson and – the Colts are trying. I'm like, just call a timeout. We're fine. We got 20 seconds. That was rough because I was saying the whole time after the completion to Thielen, I was signaling timeout. I was yelling for Kevin. He couldn't hear me, I guess. So I was like, now use it now because um, that was 40 plus seconds down to 20 seconds that ran up that play, um, which I would have rather used it there. And then the next play, you get charged it anyways because Darisaw can't get on the off the field, which, you know, I said we were all exhausted. We were all tired dehydrated standing for you know 90 minutes whatever um i can't imagine the players you know people are cramping up everything um the number of possessions in this game was was crazy so that's understandable but yes they did get charged the time out there and then you should have plenty of time there um if the guy's not it was egregious as far as throwing that flag because not only is the guy that tackled jefferson not letting him go but then Hawkinson grabs the ball and one of the Colts tackles him. So it's like, you got to throw the flag at that point. So thankfully they did. And then Greg came through and um, was able to, to end the game. Yeah. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. I was very thankful for those five yards um, Mm -hmm. off of, off of Greg's foot there. So glad that they, they threw the flag because it's something you really don't see unless like you said, it it is egregious. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I want to talk about, um, we'll kind of talk about the first half in a minute here, but the putting together that second half effort and starting with the three and out even, um, do you think it's execution that wasn't there in the first half? Do you think it's kind of a snowball effect that, once you start, you know, and once you're playing with a big lead, teams let off all those sorts of things, or I don't know how how did the Vikings do this? I guess what I'm trying to ask. I I I don't know how we got there. Is is really the you know the first half the first half I was looking at it kind of similar to the Cowboys game as you know we just got to write this entire thing off because there's there's nothing happening i think the vikings had one or two first downs in the in the first half um but it was just all three phases were were not ready to play so on it when it when it looks like that i put that on coaching um there were a lot of things i said about koc today that i probably (laughs) probably will need to take back in the in the coming weeks but um a lot of things were just you know it seemed like you know, we'd go three and out. We don't run the ball at all, which maybe is the game plan against this Colts defensive line. But then we're up by, or we're down by 33 and it's second and 10 and we're choosing to run the ball. So there's still a lot of questions on, you know, offensive play calling situationally, but I just think the the Vikings came out flat as a team and team across all three phases needed a half to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to say, you know, when we remember what the biggest comeback in NFL history was, definitely a team effort, definitely a lot of things that went into it. Kirk Cousins in the second half and overtime 
417 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, um, 28 of 42. And it was all over the place. It was spread out. You know, it wasn't all Jefferson. It was a lot of Jefferson, but it was a lot of Osborne, Hawkinson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Um, I just don't, it's funny. I don't want to put like Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady in the same sentence at all, but like just thinking of the two (laughs) games where Matt Ryan was on the receiving end of one of these um, comebacks. It's funny because no one's going to give Kirk his, his flowers for what he did today, which I think he deserves. And the two picks, I don't think either one of them was his fault. And, you know, there were a couple of plays here or there where because we needed perfection, it felt like it was like, if you take a sack or if you try to scramble something like that, you know, he, he didn't make the right decision every single time, but he was willing to, you know, step back there and what was it 50 54 attempts in the game his career high 460 yards and so that means he only had like 40 something yards in the first half um but i wish i hope that when people remember this game they will remember that it was kirk cousins who did it and has done this before you know this season but also the denver game a few years ago and certainly has something within him that you know, I don't want to say he's the, a champion or a winner or whatever, but he's capable of of doing this because he's done it a number of times. And now the greatest comeback in NFL history was spearheaded by him. Yeah, I think, you know, and you could throw the, the Buffalo game in there. Um, they were down by yeah. 17 in that game. Um and then even this year, they were down by two scores twice to the Lions in there. Even in what he was doing last win. week, yeah, they didn't win. But um, I think Kirk will definitely not get credit for it, like you said. But he he really had a game. Um, taking a look, seeing Ryan Wright's one incompletion, <laughs> I think <laughs> going back to how the Vikings got into the situation that they were, I I hope this comeback. Obviously, this is not like the recipe for success. This is not how you draw it up, but I think the Vikings got maybe a little desperate, a little early um, in regards to fourth and one. And you, you use your, your, (laughs) you run a fake punt, like save that for, you know, your fourth and seven or fourth and eight when you, when you need to get some yards and it doesn't make sense for your offense, but um Kirk, Justin, KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen showing up in in the second half. Um, he didn't have a, a catch in the first half. I mean, there's a lot of people that didn't, but um, it it really was. When you look at like the next gen passing chart and everything like that, it it really is crazy what Kirk did today. Yeah, speaking of the fake punt, which was the low point of the first half for me, where it was like, speaking of yeah, thinking of coaching and like that being all the decisions that were made from. So you go, this is where the 30 point loss or 30 point deficit was just a kind of a a compilation of different things. And I actually think the defense is probably, if I'm laying the blame, the defense is probably the last place I would lay it after special teams and offense, because the way the Colts are scoring, it's a long, you know, a long kick return and then it's a blocked punt, and then it's a fourth down that you get stopped because you try to run the ball um, two plays in a row, including a C.J. Ham jet sweep, which is a real thing that happened. And then the next possession, you have fourth and one, and you try the fake punt, which everyone knew was coming, and also why not just 
have your offense out there if you're going to do that. You know, I guess when you can have Ryan Wright throw to Jalen Naylor, you have to take that opportunity, but it didn't work. So then they score again. Naylor should come up with that. Like the he does have enough separation, but there's a reason he's playing special teams and not our third wide receiver. Yeah, and there's a reason Ryan Wright is a punter. So, and then you have a pick six. So it was all kind of coming from self-inflicted things, I think, to an extent. And again, I don't think the defense, you know, you th- when you give up 30 points in the first half to a four and eight team, you're like, nothing's been, I don't want to say the defense has been fixed, but th- I really do think that was the least of our worries. Um, they gave up some plays, but they were making, um, holding them to field goals a lot. And it was the offense putting them in these positions time and time again. The field, I want, I don't know what the Colts average starting field position was. It was probably above midfield, you know, where they were in that half. And then you get the pick six and then a number of, of field goals. So it just all kind of, you know, snowballed into a 33 to nothing half <laughs> halftime score. And again, Thank goodness for the kids and the mascots because they kept us around and they were um, what we were looking forward to at halftime and then went from there. So, um, yeah, what people were tweeting, they're like, this is one of the worst halves of Vikings football we've ever seen, which I don't know if I can disagree with, but um, it was different than the Dallas game, I think, because they weren't like getting dominated in that way, but it was more, yeah, coaching or whatever you want to call it, not being ready, um, weird, fluky mistakes you think you have a chance for a momentum. You have a, a strip and a return for touchdown that gets taken away. And then I think it was the pick six right after that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. But if you can give up 34, if you can go, go down 33 points and a half, you can also come back 33 points and a half, which is what we saw in the second half. So yeah. What did you, anything else you thought about from the first half of just an abomination? It, um, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, defense is maybe the least of our worries, which is an insane thing to say. But like you said, they were given short fields the entire first half, um, whether we were kicking off or turning the ball over. Um, I, I, I'm I not really going to put any weight into that because it is Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday and, and the Colts offense, which has kind of been anemic, especially when they lose um, – Taylor in the the first drive. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that the defense is fixed by any means, um, but they at least showed, they showed a little bit that they could adjust um, where they, they weren't getting burned for 15 yards over the middle every time the Colts needed a play. So hopefully they, they see a little something on tape um, that they made an adjustment in the second half that can allow them to, come up with a couple stops here and there. Like we've talked about this defense, this team isn't constructed in a way that we're going to win games 14 to seven. We we're going to need to score points. And um, if Kirk plays the way he did in that second half, we should score points with, with the best of them. The Colts scored 36 points with only one offensive touchdown. (laughs) That's insane. That's insane. Um, uh, Two other touchdowns, a block punt, and a pick six, and then five field goals. That's crazy. So, yeah, I think, you know, generated some pressure today. I guess Matt Ryan should be your, you know, the best guy to get pressure on with the way that he moves, even though he escaped a few. And, yeah, they, you know, 
every time they held him to a field goal, it, you know, kept him in the game to that extent, at least. And then in the second half, they were about as good as, as you could ask for and, and did everything they needed to do. And again, yeah, we're literally robbed <laughs> twice of at minimum turnovers, if not touchdowns. So, um, I don't think I've mentioned yet. The Vikings have won the NFC North. So congrats to us. And again, the tie would have done it too, but we'll take the win. I was mentally preparing for a loss and a clinch on Sunday when the if the Lions were to lose to the Jets, which would have been hilarious. But they came back and did it. Um, pretty cool celebration after the game and everything else. But we go from here. We have a home playoff game and somehow what is eleven and three? So I can't even process everything that happened today. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Um, <laughs> just because of, you know, as things have have broken out throughout, you know, the Thursday game with San Francisco, the rest of their schedule, et cetera, you know, the Vikings do keep the the hopes of two seed alive. Mm-hmm. I think you got to win out to get that two seed. But um, <laughs> at halftime today, I'd given up on the two seed. I was yes. wondering if the Bucks are going to catch us, if they're going <laughs> to somehow win out and the Vikings would lose out. Um, I'm looking into playoff scenarios where, where green Bay is potentially getting in there. Um, and then you get the biggest comeback in NFL history. And so when that happens, everything else, you know, NFC North champs two seed kind of gets thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. And I think there'll be more breakdown on that throughout the week. But, um, the fact that the Vikings came back the way they did, especially, on their home field. And I, I'm sure they had to be on their home field in order to make that happen just because of different things. But um, I think that gives me a little bit of hope going into the playoffs because that's about as good as a good of a, as good as a team should look in a half of football, you know, outscoring the Colts who, who cares if they're the Colts, but if you outscore any NFL team with NFL talent, 36 to three in a half of football, you should be able to compete with anybody. And so Hopefully with that, the Vikings remained relatively healthy. All the injuries we saw, I'm hoping are cramps because of how long that game was and just the sheer length of time they were out on the field. Um, I think Garrett Bradbury being out is a, is a huge deal. And it seems like he's been trending to play both of the last two weeks and is having issues with, is it back spasms or something along those lines? Um, be huge to get him back and it seems like the running game can can move the ball at least serviceably when he's in there yeah yeah i want to say shout out to the fans one more time because it did feel like even you know i don't want to say i'm the most dedicated or optimistic or whatever but even when i was like at times like there's no point in getting loud on defense at this point when they're still down 33 to seven or whatever, you know, whatever it was. I feel like they were, you know, they're booze in the first half, which I think were well-deserved, but eager to believe and to, you know, put in that, um, that effort and that noise early on. And then you get a big false start um, late in the game that forced a Colts punt, some other stuff like that. So really, yeah, I can't say enough about the, the atmosphere, the noise level. It was as, as good as I've experienced. Now I was listening on the way home Someone was like, someone on KFAN was like, this is better than the miracle. I'm not going to go there at all. Um, not even, 
considering that, no. Um, but it was a very special um, day at US Bank Stadium. But here's what the last thing I want to say. We always talk about, you know, before we finish, we always talk about the playoff scenarios and yada, yada. And who knows, you know, um, like you said, I think we both went from this team's going to be one and done in the playoffs for sure to back to where we've been all season, I guess, which is, you know, still, still in the two seed. But to me, the memories of this game and the Bills game and then winning the NFC North, you know, in Kevin O'Connell's first season and Justin Jefferson's campaign, you know, he's probably going to win offensive player of the year. He might get 2000 yards. Like this has been a successful season. This has been such a joy to, to watch and to, you know, just see this team. Hopefully Kevin O'Connell's building something. We probably got bigger concerns to, to flush out in the off season with some of the roster stuff, but I'm not going to hold this team to a certain run in the playoffs or certain whatever. We're going to go to a playoff game, maybe two and be all in um, for sure. But I just think that what they've done to this point and the biggest comeback in the NFL history and then one of the great games of the last, you know, several years, including one of the best catches of all time, like, and just everything Justin Jefferson is doing, but everything the team around him is doing, this has been a special season. And at this point I'm, I'm happy with with where we are and what we've been able to experience this season and anything beyond here is is pretty much gravy for me. Yeah, absolutely. There there's a lot of talk of, you know, are the Vikings frauds? They can only win one score games, whatever. I I really have to take a step back when it's like, okay, it's the first year. We're talking about a competitive rebuild, however much you you believe in that. Um and the Vikings are you know, I would say the favorites for the two seed at this point, mm-hmm. like the Vikings have clinched the division with three games remaining um, and had an opportunity to clinch last week. So the, you you really have to take things with a grain of salt and think this is Kevin O'Connell's first year. This is the first year with a new GM, all new everything essentially. And if this is, you know, gets Kevin Kevin O'Connell a little taste of success and and he can build on that. Obviously he's learning as things go on. Um then then I'm excited for where this Vikings team will go, not even to this year, but down the road. So you you take a look at it and you're like, man, if the Vikings lose to to the Colts, they're they're ten and four. You would have taken ten and four. There's <laughs> there's very few people that wouldn't have taken ten and four at this point in the season. Uh if you ask them in the preseason. So that that's how I've been taking a look at everything this week. And then the rest of the national media can just do whatever they want to do and we'll see what happens. Yep. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how people process this game. <laughs> um, I don't know. So yeah. NFC North champs heading to at least one home playoff game. I do. Hopefully the two seat, I do think it just makes a huge difference um, if they're able to get it. But we'll see. And then we've got Christmas Eve next week. We will see, um, depending on how eventful the game is, I feel like I haven't talked with you about this, but maybe we'll skip next week for the podcast um, unless something super eventful happens. But happy to announce that we will have a trip to Lambeau Field for the two of us, our first time um, to Lambeau for New Year's Day. Um, and we'll have plenty of, of podcasts, discussion and content and stuff for that game. We're looking forward to it. Um, not sure how much it'll mean, 
maybe the Packers will still be alive at that point. Maybe we get a chance to knock them out. Uh, but certainly the Vikings will still be playing for, for seeding. Um, maybe we'll do a little preview podcast before that week too. And, you know, talk about our, what we're expecting at Lambeau. And then of course, after our experience there. So excited to do that with you here in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. I'm excited to make that trip. Um, don't really care about the weather. Just gonna, gonna enjoy the atmosphere. Um, where the Vikings can't can't lose the division. So mm-hmm. it's a great time to go to Lambeau. Yes. Yeah. I I don't want to I'll knock on wood here, but don't think it's gonna be the coldest game we've ever attended. Um negative six at TCF, still a tough bar to beat. So hopefully we're nowhere near that, um, on the positive side at least. So Absolutely. but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. We're excited to to experience that for the first time and a good year to do it, I think. Will Jordan Love be starting in that game? What do you think? Um, if I was a Packers fan, I would want him to, um, and I don't need, I, I don't, (laughs) I'm not going to say what I was going to (laughs) say, but, um, I think with the fifth year option and everything coming up on Jordan Love, you got to see in, in some meaningful amount of snaps, what, what he brings to the table for you. I think they're going to take that option. Um, but there's been a lot of talk about, you know, does Rogers try to force his way out of green Bay after this year, regardless? And is he going to play in San Francisco and all these different things? So if, if there's rumors of that, Stefan Diggs said it best. There's truth to all rumors. <laughs> Maybe you want to see Jordan love. So I would love to see Jordan love, um, love to see him fall on his face in the Vikings to win a two score game, three score game in that one. So is the Vikings point differential now zero? Was it negative three before today? Viking or was it negative one? I think it was negative one. So I think they're plus two now. We've got the Vikings as plus two. Yeah. We're back. Same we're above Detroit Lions. <laughs> well, at least that at least that can die now. Uh, people that were like, what if the Vikings lose out and the Lions win out? Like get stop. <laughs> get some help, people. That was never gonna happen. Even if they, even if the worst happened today, so, but we move. Um, history, history was made by this team, and now maybe they can make some more. Let's hope. So, until next time, um, if anyone's going to the game next week, wear white. Apparently, I don't know how that works exactly, but should be cool to see. And Lambeau Field awaits us. Absolutely, can't wait. All right, school, school. Since I first got here, I never stopped working. Today was when all the work paid off and, you know, God put me in a position. And I just try to take take advantage of my opportunities.